0: Praise the Lord. It's good to see you all here today. Can you hear me all right with this one? That's good? All right. Because my uh, long, clumsy legs won't keep me behind the pulpit, so we're going to be moving around a little bit this evening. Um, I've really enjoyed today, but it is, uh, it's is—it's nap time now, right? So, and uh, uh, Brother Tim, what time are we finishing today? Whenever I'm... Oh, no. All right. So, all right, let's go. No. <laughs> All right, it is nap time, so I'm going to be uh, try to be respectful of that. Um, it has been a, a wonderful day for me. I, w- I was standing in the back this morning just kind of uh, watching faces. Of course, my family and I, we've been away on the mission field. There's a lot of uh, people in the church now that I have never met. And then one by one, people that I met like a 100 years ago started filing into the church building. I was like, this is awesome. I don't know who's who. This person used to be that big, now they're, you know. It was a, it was a really wild morning that I really enjoyed. Um, of course, Pastor Bish, actually all the Bishes have been here uh, 25 years now. How many of you were here 25 years ago for that Sunday? I was uh, 10 years old. So for those of you who remember me back then, I was about this this height and about this width. I was the, the round, chubby little Gerber kid, and I remember... That Sunday was not actually pastor's first uh, meeting with us. Um, For those of you who were uh, in the church the years preceding that, we were going through a very difficult number of years, no pastor. I remember we had uh, a constant stream of men and families coming in, candidating for uh, 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 for the pastorate here and i was a little kid you know i I was nine years old at that time and i remember all these candidates coming in and then one day pastor besh came in and i think i've told you this story before he came in and he preached and he preached and i i was nine it's hard to keep a nine-year-old's attention right and i was just enamored the whole time i was like i love this guy he's awesome and then when we got home i remember we we were eating Uh, around our dinner table. I was like, Mom, Dad, that's the guy that I want to be the pastor of our church. And they, with like broken hearts and looks on their faces, they said, Matt, he's not candidating. And I was devastated. You actually visited before before you candidated. And I was like, he's not even... Oh, no, I was devastated. And uh, a while after that, back again came the Bish family. This time to candidate, and this time I was a nervous wreck. I was like, please, this has got to work out, God. And uh, God answered a nine-year-old's heart's desire for a pastor. And so, Pastor, I want to thank you for those 25 years, and I want to uh, thank you for the investment that you made in that little roundy kid. I want to thank you for the investment. Uh, You've been my pastor all those years. You know, um, 8,000 miles away, you're still my pastor. Um, I've been able to watch you be the pastor to uh, little Evelyn there. Little Charlotte back there on her mom's lap. Every time we walk into the city of uh, Mangalore and we go grocery shopping, if there's a little cart with some candies on it, if my girls see Kit Kats, immediately, Mom, Dad, that's Pastor Bish's favorite candy. Can we buy them and mail them to Pastor Bish? And so, uh i I'm, I am thrilled to call you my pastor and my children 's pastor and, and thank you so much I've also i've also just been thrilled uh, to see um, you know faces from the past of the Shirilla family. The Shirillas have not changed at all. I think you actually uh, went down in age you know? <laughs> like I think you have uh de aged and then the wilsons as well um, the the amount of uh, influence on my family contained in this room, uh, the Kierkevich family back there is just, it's astounding. And um, uh, over the years, we have watched uh, particularly these three men, Pastor Bish, Pastor Wilson and, and uh, Pastor Sharilla, as they grew. Pastor Bish has, over the last 20 years, he has not stayed the same human being. It is, and we've, we've been able to witness that. We have watched the, uh, like has been mentioned many times today, the triumphs, the heartaches, the difficulties in life that have molded and shaped and grown Pastor Bish into the position where he is today. Growing pains. I was shocked, Pastor Wilson, this morning when you said you were 24 years old. When you started as youth pastor here, you to me you have always been this age, and uh, so I was like twenty. If you were a child <laughs> <that> then. <laughs> pastor Wilson over the years has has grown and shaped and turned into a uh, a pastor, a solid Bible preaching pastor. The Sherrilla family they were shoulder to shoulder with us church members and we watched God take that family out and grow and mold and shape and place them in in a a ministry where they are now of tremendous influence in his ministry. God grows us, God expects us to grow. And we as church members, we as the flock, as the sheep, Pastor Bish, we, we, we expect him to grow. And I think we can all attest and say, yes, he has. Yes, he has. But what about us? I think think it's fair and safe to say that Pastor Bish should be able to expect us as individuals to be growing. We are to be growing. So let's open our Bibles back there to uh, 1 Peter. I'm going to get some water. I'm going to be be preaching a very simple message, and I don't plan on being very long. I'd like to uh, start there in chapter number two again. Peter here says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Uh, Peter is talking to... um, Christians here who are scattered through Asia Minor. They are a group of Christians that are not necessarily centrally located, but they are undergoing tremendous uh, persecution. They are, they are going through it. And so Peter, being one who is very familiar with persecution, very familiar with pain, is trying to encourage these scattered Christians. And he, he, he encourages them. Uh, by giving the example that we are familiar with of the refining fire that that hones Christians and purifies Christians. And he also is encouraging them to consume the word of God so that they can grow. And we're familiar with that. As newborn babes desire the sincere sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. He's using that very popular illustration there, um, uh, drawing the equation there between... uh, Babies and new Christians, or hungry new Christians. Um, how many of you in here have, in your family, or very close to your family, a very small child? See, the, the ratio, when we came back, Pastor, I noticed the ratio of babies to adults in church now is like one to one. There are, there are a plethora of tiny babes in this church right now. So, you wait. You're going to end up holding one of them. You're going to you know, reap the benefits on your shirt sleeve, right? Um, we're familiar with babies. Babies have a tremendous desire to consume. They, they have a tremendous desire to not stay put. I was talking with uh, Brother Adam about uh, you know, children and how you know, all children are, are different and we both have had a baby that you know when when they're in your arms they're already squirming and as soon as you set them down you know they're they're off they never want to stay placed right they're always wanting to grow they're always wanting to move if you stick any kind of food in their face they are going to slurp it down they're going to consume it why that's what newborn babies do. They want to grow. They don't want to stay complacent. Have you? How many of you have ever tried to put a, a baby into a car seat before? Okay, okay, parents. How many of you are familiar with this? You're putting them in there, right? You, as soon as you start to click them in, what happens? They they do that that backward arch. They're like, no, don't put me in the car seat, right? And they they. All of a sudden, it's like a muscle that you're just trying to get in there. We got to go to Walmart, please. You know, it's why? Babies want to move. They want to grow. They want to consume. And they are always looking for the next thing to eat, right? Are babies content with the bottle of milk? No. Babies try to put everything into their mouth. Everything. Um, my daughter, Evelyn, she's six years old now, already a giant. But um, a number of years ago when she was, she wasn't quite one years old yet. But uh, she was always the little adventurer who was always dirty head to toe. She was at my parents' house and she was, she was climbing up a, a pathway beside, her, by the, beside their house there. And uh, all of a sudden she sits up. And stops moving, which is that's that's dangerous for a child because you never know what they've gotten into. And I look over at her and I say, "Evelyn, what are you doing?" She's doing this. I say, "Evelyn, what's in your mouth?" Evelyn, show me what's in your mouth. Evelyn. So finally, you had to. Do, I mean, we parents know this. just stick the finger in there. And I, I finally pry open those jaws of death and out comes a big old dirty rock. And I was like, whoa. Oh. Babies. They want to consume. They have a desire to grow. They have a desire to move, right? And it's 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 very apparent. Peter is talking about new Christians or, or young Christians here. A brand-new Christian's life, new life in the Lord, is almost on the verge of chaotic. How many of you remember when you first accepted Christ as your Savior? How many of you remember that? Go back in your mind to that with me for a second. I remember it like it was yesterday. There's this weight lifted off of me. Uh, what, 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 What do I do? What can I do? What? You know, and there's this desire to consume the Word of the God, Word of God. There's this desire to just get out there and tell somebody else about Jesus. There's this desire to get involved somewhere in the ministries here. And it's it's chaos, but you don't know how to channel it. You're trying to consume everything. You're um digesting the milk of the word, but you're not content. You know, I, I want meat, I want more. And there's that there's that almost chaotic growth at the beginning. Right, and so Peter here—he's talking about how, uh, you know, new Christians—they don't have the ability yet to digest the meat of the word, and so you have to take those those baby steps. Just as I'm not going to—we're not going to feed a nine-month-old, you know, uh, chunks of chicken. There's certain things in the Word of God that a new Christian is—they're going to have difficulty with. But but what is the milk of the word for? What is the milk of the word for? Well, he gives us the answer there. He says, uh, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. We are supposed to be growing. We don't consume the word of God, or we don't expose ourselves to the word of God simply for, like uh, Brother Shirela said this morning, this is not a country club. We are to be growing. Now, do we fault small children, like uh, Asher, one of the cutest babies I've ever seen, right? Holding little baby Asher, you say, all right, Asher, here's some steak. Right? It's like, what's the matter, Asher? Come." Would we fault Asher, little six-month-old Asher, for not being able to consume steak? No. That's no fault of his own. He's not ready to consume that yet. But we are to be growing. And when a, when a child is small, or a new Christian is small, growth is very easy to see, right? When we get a little older, when we mature, mature a little bit more, it's a little bit more difficult to, uh, to see. Um, so um, We hear the term spiritual growth a lot, but what does it mean? What is spiritual growth? It's that act of being transformed into the image of God. It's the, the act of maturing, becoming more complete in our faith, being more like our Heavenly Father. And as we mature, those, though the, the instantaneous flash of growth is not as apparent, still there are signs of it, and still there should, be, uh, there should be growth in all of us. I'd like to do this quickly. Uh, let me see. I want to see who's left in the room. Uh, Brother Kukkevich, will you please stand for me? Okay, can you step into the aisle? Just Thank you. Colton, will you please stand? All right, is there any question... At all, whose son this is in this room? No, they're both seven foot nine. You know, they both have the chiseled jaw lines. They, have this, they even have the same hair, right? Right? Now, now Colton is not flailing around trying to you know shove rocks in his mouth anymore, right? He's, he's matured beyond that. You guys can sit down. But there is absolutely no question whose dad that is. Let's see, uh, Mr. Tarquino, would you please stand? Robert, will you please stand? Is there any question <laughs> whose son that is in the room? Absolutely not, right? They, they're identical, right? If I squint, I can't tell the difference. You guys can sit down. Um, let's see here. Darcy Raymond, will you please stand? And I could have either parent stand. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Raymond, would you please stand? Is there any question whose daughter that is? No, not at all. Um, Mr. Gerber, would you please come here for a minute? All right. I can get that to stand there. Right? Is there any question whose son I am? You can stand up one if you want. There we go. Now, is there any question whose son I am in this room? No, there's, there's, no, there's none at all. You couldn't go in and see it. Thanks, Dad. I didn't tell him I was going to do this, so yeah, he's going to be happy when we get sent back across the ocean. There is no question, but the growth is more subtle as time goes on. But why? Why do I look like my dad? Why does Robert look like his dad? Why does Brother J.K. and Colton, why, why does Colton and J.K., why do they look like the same person? Why is that? DNA. You know, I didn't do, I didn't say, oh man, I got, I got to grow into my dad. Oh, if I try hard, oh, oh. None of that. It just happened naturally. And you know, Pastor, the, the mannerisms are starting to come out now i I've, I've found myself when I'm dealing with children, I'll be oh, what oh, yeah. Yeah. what oh, yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah and and and, and I'll hear that and I'll, I'm turning into my dad. Oh no. And I'm turning into my mom a little bit too. I, this is I was walking down the hallway the other day and I was doing something. And I went like this. Her Sunday school, her her kids know about this. I'm like, oh no, this is bad. DNA. The way that I grew almost literally into my father was by consuming nutrition, moving around, and my DNA took care of the rest. It was subtle once I got past my teenage years, but every day... I moved closer and closer into Mr. Thomas Gerber, right? And that's that's the ghost of Christmas future for all of you kids. (laughs) You're all turning into your parents. So what does spiritual growth look like for a mature Christian? It is consuming the Word of God. It is then moving, exercising the things that are in the Word of God like putting it in, chewing it, and actually swallowing it. Your DNA will take care of the rest. We are God's children. If you consume the word of God and put it into practice, though the outward effects are more subtle, you will mature and look more and more like your father, the more complete you become that is the responsibility of all of us we've watched pastor bish do just that we have watched him be transformed into the image of Christ and not be conformed to this world we have watched i've watched pastor wilson do the same thing we've i've watched uh, brother shirilla the same thing brother kovacic same thing my parents but that's not just for, for that generation That is all of our responsibilities there. Um, Turn over to, uh, let's go to Hebrews. pastor has been worrying me as he he has been uh, using a lot of the same uh, verses that I've been studying for a while (laughs) about this message uh, on Wednesday evenings. Paul, the presumed writer of this this, uh, book, he is talking to Christians as well. Now, unlike Peter talking to baby Christians, young Christians, immature Christians, Paul is now talking to people like us. Paul is talking to those that have been in the ministry, who have watched the Apostle Paul grow and go through hardships, who have who have been exposed to solid biblical preaching, who have, quote-unquote, seen it all and heard it all. So let's uh, look at verse number 11. He says to these believers, he says, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God, or become such and are become as such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. A lot of the book of Hebrews is, um, Paul is really trying to uh, teach some deep things. I think almost half of the chapters are dedicated to the doctrine of Melchizedek. You know, not something that you teach to the three and four year olds. And Paul, I I can hear his frustration as he's talking to these individuals here saying, Come on, guys. You've heard all of this before. You are not baby Christians anymore, but still, we have to scoop you up and, and feed the bottle to you again. There has been no growth. There's been no growth. He goes on and, uh, ver- uh. Chapter 6, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. He's saying we need to leave, or not not leave, but move beyond those foundational principles, those simple things. Keep those. Let them abide in your heart. But it is time to move beyond that. It is time to there, he says, unto perfection, meaning completeness. Um, maturity, you know, beyond being a babe, laying aside the foundation, those those simple things, the milk. Guys, come on! We, I know you've heard it before. It's time to grow. It's time to move on. It's time to grow. And, and but why do we stop growing? You know that we are. We are exposed to a lot of meat and milk and Bible preaching, right? We are hopefully exposed to it at home. We are hopefully reading our Bibles at home. We, we have it available. Why do we stop growing? Uh, Paul gives an indication here. He says to them, um, well, two things. This isn't really part of the message. Um, look at verse 12 again. He says, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again. Uh, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And here he says, and are become, such as have need of milk and not strong meat. This gives us the idea that at one point this group of Christians was growing. They consumed the milk. Yes, we grew from that. Okay, the, the mashed up green beans, right? Oh yeah, we grew from that. You know, a little bit more doctrine. A little bit more difficult stuff. And then over time, something happened to where they are now reverted back to those baby stomachs. You are become such as have need of milk. How does that happen? How many of you have ever fasted before for a while? Um, I'll, I'll tell you my worst fasting experience. <clears throat> so um, we were having a big bus promotion uh, on my bus route in uh, Illinois, my bus captain and myself determined we were going to fast for three weeks leading up to the, uh, the, the, this big bus day. We wanted 70 on our bus route. We fasted for three weeks. You know, it is what it is. Came down to the day. We had 71 on the bus route. Praise God. Do you know what we did to celebrate? <laughs> we went to Buffalo Wild Wings and got about 400 wings and ate until we were about to die. Now, my stomach had been empty for three weeks. Not a bit of that stayed in my stomach. Not a bit of that stayed in my stomach. I had become such as could no longer handle meat. I, would have, I, would, I should have worked my way back into that, right? And then gone out for the 400 Buffalo Wild Wings. But my stomach had gone so long with no nutrition, I could not handle the difficult stuff. I think sometimes that is us. And I think we all, we all do go through that, where we are maybe busy in the ministry or simply time passes with our, our Bible closed. And we're not digesting. We're hearing it's there. But we stopped consuming it, stopped going in our stomach. How many of you have ever watched like a two year old eat a plate of spaghetti? That's fun, right? They got, they got their whole upper torso in that plate, right? Where does most of the spaghetti end up? There's some of it up here usually, right? All over the face, all over the arms, and maybe one noodle makes it down inside the stomach. Sometimes that's us. Oh, we show up to church, and oh, yeah. The meat of the word. You know, we hear it. Oh, yeah, and people that are looking at us, like, oh, that guy had a good meal. That guy listened to some good preaching. Yep, he went to the altar. But how much of it? How much of it went in? How much was actually consumed? Now, what drives a Christian to get to a place where they're no longer actually consuming the Word of God? How does that happen? Let's look back again at Hebrews 5. Uh, verse number 11 says, uh, Whom we have uh, many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. Dull of hearing. Now, this is actually a phrase that is, is used a number of times. Jesus uses it when he's uh, giving the parable of the sower. Um, and it's, uh, actually, let's turn over there. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 13. We've got a little bit of time, and nobody's asleep yet, so I am, I'm, I'm proud of you all. Matthew chapter number 13, verse number 15. <clears throat> Uh, this is Jesus speaking. Is, he says, "For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see, they should see with their eyes and hear, <clears throat> excuse me, with their ears, and should understand with their hearts, and should be converted, and I should heal them." Now. Remember, Jesus is speaking to a mixed crowd here. His disciples are there. Also, there's a, a crowd of unsaved. We, we are very well aware of that. But uh, Paul is talking to Christians when he says that they are dull of hearing. But what is, what is dull of hearing? A dull of hearing means, uh, or when he says waxed gross, and ears are, are dull of hearing, it literally means to make, uh, to make stupid. It, it's to, to make yourself slow. to to be thick, the idea of, oh, how most of us felt after pulling away from the buffet over there, right? Calloused, slow, sedentary, um, weary of learning, or to carelessly hear, to carelessly hear, that, that's me sometimes, that's us sometimes. I'll be, I'll be sitting next to my wife and a familiar portion of scripture will pop open. I'm like, oh yeah, I have heard 150 messages from this passage, and then what happens? I carelessly hear it. And none of it goes in. If I do that long enough, what's gonna happen? I'm gonna be, become, become as one that needeth milk. Don't carelessly hear. Um, definition, final definition to be glazed over. Pastor, have you ever preached from behind this pulpit and seen glazed over faces? <laughs> I, say, I, I say that because at any given moment, there's like 12 in any audience that you ever speak to. And, uh, you know, we do that. I, I, I do that sometimes. It's, oh you know, especially right now, bellies full of food, to be glazed over, to where to be trodden down from repetition. Trodden down from repetition. It's interesting to me that in Matthew chapter 13 is the parable of the sower. Uh, Jesus goes on to talk about the wayside, right? When he's talking about uh, the sower flinging seeds. What is a wayside? That's the path in the garden, right? The place where the sower walks, Right? If you stomp down or you walk on soft soil for long enough, what happens? It gets trodden down from repetition. Then, if I take a seed and I throw it onto that path, what's going to happen? It's going to dry up, it's going to die, a bird might eat it. It's not going to get in. It has been trodden down from repetition. That happens to us sometimes. We hear, uh, it's good that we're familiar with our Bibles, but sometimes from repetition. Yep, heard that before. And it's not getting in. So we are not growing from it anymore. Trodden down from repetition. what are you getting out of your bible whether in here or at home do you ever find yourself reading the bible or sitting in a service and you know, i just i'm not being fed i'm just i'm just not really getting anything we've all been there i have been there before is it the bible's fault no. I can listen to Alexander Scorby read the Bible to me and get something out of it. All of us can. Right, it's not the Bible's fault if we're not getting something out of it. It's my fault if I'm not getting anything out of it. Are we trodden down from repetition? Are you become one? Who maybe in times past was consuming meat. Who maybe maybe was growing, you know, maybe was was excited, maybe maybe was uh, you know in that almost chaotic state where you're consuming. I've I've got to do something for God. Have you have you become dull? And again, we myself, we all go through times like this. It is up to us. It's not the Bible's fault. It is our job to re-break up our hearts, to no longer carelessly hear the word of God, but to pray and open the Bible and ask God to give us a tender heart to receive the word of God so that we can grow thereby. So I would like that to be our challenge. We all expect Pastor Bish to be growing. We all expect him to have a tender heart when he consumes the word of God so he can then uh, make that into a spiritual meal for us to feed on. We all expect uh, Pastor Tim here to be growing and maturing because he is leading our children in the next building. We all expect our parents to be, you know? We can always pass the buck to the next person, but look at yourself. I'm gonna look at myself. Are you growing? Again, I believe believe pastor should be able to expect us to be growing. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to pray, and then Brother Tim. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for everything that has gone on, and I thank you for my pastor.